Hey, this is Buzz with the Buzz on Education, where I talk about the best tech tips, products, and trends happening in education. And today, I'm going to focus on new techniques for remote learning and how having the right things to pull that off matters. All that coming right up on the Buzz in Education, so stay tuned. Hey, hey, it's Buzz, and welcome to my podcast. Glad you could join me. Uh, as I mentioned in the opener, I'm going to be focused on some techniques that might be new or foreign to educators, but in many ways not. Uh, and in that discovery, you may find that some of the things that you did before don't translate well in remote or distance learning. So we're going to go into that deeply, and I'm not going to do that alone. No, I'm not. I've got with me today a very favorite guest of mine. She's a no new face to many of you. Some of you may know her, Dr. Laura Zieger from NJCU. That is New Jersey City University, and uh, welcome, Laura. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Buzz. Nice to be here. Thank you. Let me say a few words about you. Uh, Dr. Z, as she's affectionately known, has been a pioneer in the educational technology biz for over 20 years. She is currently a professor and the chairperson of the Department of Educational Technology at NJCU. Uh, she works closely with classroom teachers and administrators and school library media specialists, some of my favorite people. Uh, Dr. Z focuses on developing and implementing and studying technologies to scaffold learning, increase motivation, and integrate meaningful educational technology to enhance learning experiences. So that is a real mouthful. But guess what? She's also an author. That's right, folks. She recently co-authored the book, Drones in Education, Let Your Students' Imagination Soar. And that's a result of her working with drones and emerging technologies of all sorts. So she's very accomplished and skilled. And uh, again, uh, she is a unique person and a un has a totally unique understanding of social applications in education, which couldn't be more important today as it's an integral part of remote and distance learning. So again, welcome to Dr. Z to the podcast. May we call you Laura? Oh, please do. And shout out to my students at NJCU. I know they're going to be listening. So uh, I'm sure they're going to get a lot out of the information you're going to provide today. Yeah, yeah. And well, in all the accolades, I neglected to mention that you are an avid fisherman, or shall I say, uh, fisherwoman. Uh, you know, that, let's touch on that for a minute. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I am. My brother is a pro fisherman and he I got the bug, so now, so far this year, I've caught a perch and a largemouth bass, although it was kind of small, but I'm working my way up. It's still kind of cold up here north, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So, um, well, it's a perfect segue to our main topic for today's podcast, where many of the teachers uh, are fishing for new ways in which to engage their students uh, remotely. And that said, uh, I've kind of narrowed it down to three topics that we'll touch on that might help. Uh, everyone in their efforts to reach and engage their students. Uh, so uh, let's start with number one. What are the tools you need? That's always important to have the right stuff, the right gear. And two, what applications are helpful? And this is an area that Laura really shines in, so she'll make some great suggestions on what applications, because there are a lot. Um, and uh, third, and uh, not last but not least, I should say, uh, what delivery techniques help make this information available? Because that's uh, delivery is a big deal, and we'll get to that. So let's start with number one. What tools do you need? Uh, knowing that video and audio will be a big part of how you interact with your students, uh, it's the first big consideration. Because uh, if they can't hear you well or they can't see you very well, then you're not going to get your message over to them and it gets lost in translation. Um, so having a good USB microphone would be step one. 
Next, ensure that you have a decent webcam. Now, most modern laptops have both, but there are some techniques that are simple fixes to make those work in your favor. Uh, so, you know, the first one is really kind of an easy one. Get a stack of books to prop up your laptop so that the camera that's in the bezel is at eye level so that you're looking right into it. That way, when your students see you on the other side, it looks like you're looking right into their faces or into their eyes, and that's a great engagement. Now, the problem with that is, is that there's usually a thumbnail or a bunch of thumbnails if you've got several people uh, in the uh, web mix with you on the webinar that you start getting distracted by those, but you can't. You've got to continue to look right into the lens and make that kind of human engagement thing. Um, next is find a quiet place that has a carpeting or furniture so that it can absorb external sounds so that you won't be echoey. So if you have something with hard floors or walls and there's not a lot in there, uh, you might get a little bit of a reverb and that's kind of distracting. The built-in webcams, on, as I mentioned, on most of these laptops are pretty good, so you should do fine with what you have there. However, microphones are another story. I would suggest buying a USB microphone that will enhance your voice and make it sound like you're right in the room. And it's really important to have that because uh, audio is a big, big deal. In general, audio can make up for many of the shortfalls of video. So if you don't have the best camera uh, and the best video, be sure to have great audio because that will carry the shot for sure. Uh, Laura, any thoughts on this as you've worked, I know, with a lot of educators and you've worked with a, library, a lot of library media specialists out there. Uh, any thoughts that hit you? No, Buzz, you absolutely hit it on the head. Um, if the audio or video are detracting from your message, you're not really going to get the message out there the way that you want it to. And I often tell teachers that, you know, first of all, make sure that what you're delivering is professional and that you want it to be really representative of who you are and, and how you like to teach. So look at your equipment, look at how it sounds and how other people see you. Our, our, Library media specialists are really on the front line. They do a lot of this type of creation um, in the schools, but now particularly online. And so if, you know, if they have these tips and they start off with the right way to deliver the message, I think it's going to help them a lot. Yeah. Well, it's so funny is that with audio, um, the tone of someone's voice in the nuance of how they say things and just the way they accentuate things can also help carry uh, a lot of things that become ingrained in somebody's memory so that if you're teaching a certain subject matter and you you know, hear it, uh, and, and there's some parts that are accentuated uh, audibly, uh, they sometimes resonate in your brain and stick on you, right? You know, that you, you just recall that, uh, that word or the way that the, the teacher or the instructor put that bit of English in it, uh, you know, no pun intended, but a little bit of spin into it that gives it that, that impact and, mem and memorabilia. So, you know, you Yeah, not just that, but people can hear you smile. So when you talk and you smile, they can literally hear that. And it, and it makes the message a little bit easier and more fun to hear. Yeah, I can understand that fully. I think when people listen to my podcast, they're laughing all the way going, this guy is just, <laughs> anyway. and they're right, but uh, it's a fun thing to do. All right, let's get on to the second one and, and uh, what applications are helpful. And this gets to be a big pool of water that people get swimming in because just like when we uh, first got uh, iPads and tablets, people were buying apps like crazy and didn't use half of them, you know? So this is sort of a narrowing of that because there's a lot of applications that are good remote applications. And so Laura, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one because uh, I know that you've seen a lot out there. So uh, go at it. 
Yeah, so there are so many applications out there that you can do a Google search and come across, you know, a hundred different lists of ed tech apps that you can use. Nowadays, particularly, a lot of them are being offered for free. So it is a good time to try out different ones maybe that you're not familiar with. Some tried and true things that all teachers are using are word clouds with their students. And they used to use Wordle and Taxedo, some of those other um, apps, but now because of Java and Flash and all different types of issues that we're having, there are new ones that are better. So if you haven't seen wordclouds.com, it's a nice way for you to create, for your students to create word clouds, either inputting text or to look up websites or lists or speeches. You can use it in a variety of content areas. Another really um, smart app that teachers love is Kahoot. They find their students are really receptive to it. It's a way to do formative assessment. So that way you get um, a little feel for how your students are learning. You'll know whether you need to reteach different concepts and it's gamification. So it makes it a little bit more palatable for them. Um, there's things like Flipgrid, which is a social learning tool. S teachers can create grids and post questions, and then the students can respond with short video responses. So it isn't that same all text-based um, online. You want to make sure that you're using a variety of multimedia. So that's kind of important, and that's a great little tool, easy to use. Um, a last one might be Nearpod. You can create interactive online lessons with Nearpod. A lot of teachers really love it because you can poll your students, you can incorporate drawing and 3D objects. So you're, you're incorporating more artistic expression. Um, it's often easy to do a lot of things that are STEM-based when you're online, but you want to make sure that you hit all of the STEAM standards. So include things that are um, allow them to communicate, whether it's all through audio or video in addition to writing. Yeah. So those are just a few different really cool tools that if teachers aren't familiar with them, they really should be. Something new maybe teachers that um, haven't seen around is called Explain Everything. And this solves the problem of interactive whiteboards. So um, a lot of the learning management systems that we're using, you can't write on to do math equations or to show work. So Explain Everything allows you to kind of do that um, in an online environment. So there are tools that will solve all of your problems. You just have to Google it. And once you start Googling, Googling and looking up other different apps and things, just try them out. And if it's not something you love, move on from it. Don't waste your time because there's so much out there that, you know, your time is limited and precious. Absolutely. So if it's easy to use, then yeah, you, you know, that's a tool that you can use and, and love. But if not, eh, that's okay. There'll be another one you can try. Yeah, and there's no shortage of that. Um, I think one thing that you hit on that I really liked is that I think the notion of fun and play are now an integral part of, of good teaching strategy because, um, you know, that's kind of in our DNA that if it's fun, people like doing it. If it isn't, they don't. And, uh, and fun and gamification and things like that are now being embraced uh, as great techniques to endear people to uh, content, knowledge, information. And, um, you know, those are big deals. So if you find stuff that is kind of fun, particularly in these times where there's a lot of anxiety going around and there's a lot of tension, um, you know, go something lighthearted to get your message over and find applications like that. Uh, one of the things that, that Laura and I are doing right now is in this podcast 
is using audio to reach people as you're listening to this. And um, I would suggest that you start when you start looking at some of the free things that Laura mentioned are out there. Um, you know, the Soundstripe, who makes the music beds that we use, which is the audio that you hear on the lead in on the intro and outros of the of podcasts or even on videos. Uh, that's all free now. Um, the uh, uh, platform I use, Buzz uh, Sprout, uh, is is free for uh, podcasting uh, with all the bells and whistles for both of those. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that you can really jump into and start messing around with for free, where usually you got to pay for it to get the right stuff because the free version's so lukewarm that you really can't get a real feel for it. So uh, yeah, you can start looking at those kinds of things to um, you know uh, again get reach to your students uh, with uh, a place that can do your podcast, the place that gives you some good sound beds, so you can really kind of do it uh, like pro style and uh, you'll get better and better as you go through it. Um, Moving right along, uh, I'm going to look at number three here. Uh, What delivery techniques help make this information available? And I'll start this one off. Uh, First, you got to remember when you're using something like Zoom, Google uh, Hangouts or Google Meets, they call it now, or WebEx or anything of the like, there's a record button that allows you to record your session. And this gets missed by a lot of people. That way when you finish, if any student wasn't able to get on or they just missed it, uh, then you can post the link to the session for either those that have missed it or those that want to review it. And the good news here is that they can play it back as many times as they want uh, as many or as many times as necessary, which is a bit of a relief for most teachers because uh, in previous time when you were in uh, you know brick and mortar, when you're in a classroom, you got to repeat yourself 17,000 times. And by the end of the day, you had it. You know, this this way, it's a digital asset that they can play over and over again, um, and uh, you know, till they till they really get the concept or or uh, whatever you're teaching. So it's a that's a real benefit to again hit the record button when you're starting these webinars or webcasts. Um, Laura, any comments on uh, delivery uh, that hits yeah. you? Yeah. One of the nice things about Zoom that um, once you finish recording a session, it converts it. So you have to wait a little while for it to do the conversion, but then it gives you the option of having the session as a video with the audio or just as audio. So you might have students that are having issues at home with, you know, multiple people being online at the same time, and they might not be able to see video or they might want to download and listen to it on their mobile device. So you might offer that audio just as well as the video, so just so that everyone has the opportunity to access it. Yeah, and in many ways, audio is a much more consumable medium because uh, you can, if you're driving or you're running or something and you're not watching a screen, you can at least listen. And um, I've even told some teachers recently, actually even before this crisis hit, that um, a thing that I called narrative instruction uh, was using podcasting to articulate audibly uh, direction and guidance for students in their learning and that uh, that in I just kind of named it gave it a moniker of narrative instruction that kind of stuck on it that basically was a good vocal guide post for students as they're learning so again kids can play that back students can play that back as many times as they want and get it and um, and and I think in in all cases whether it's video or audio um, less is more it always is more and so uh, you'll find sometimes that podcasts will last an hour. I don't, you know, unless it's super engaging, I, I don't know how people hang an hour to listen to something. My, I, I try to pride myself in making everything short form factor so that people can get it, get the stuff they need and get on and, um, 
and just Buzz brain that. science tells us that the brain after 15 minutes is going to move on and think about what they have to make for dinner or what they want to do later or what they're wearing tomorrow. So if you can't change something up in 15 minutes, you might lose your audience. So yeah, the brain really responds to change. So if it's going to be longer than 15 minutes, try to change your delivery or your message in some way or ask questions of your students just so that you keep it active and interesting. Yeah. And it's even half for men on that number. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know that from a scientific uh, research point of view. But, uh, you know, like if someone's thinking, say, about fishing even, you know, they, you know, they're not listening to you. Uh, so that's, uh, or if That would never happen. No, that never. wouldn't happen. Or if it's Friday and it's close to 5 p.m. I mean, you know, you're, they're going to be right with you the whole way, not. The whole so, time, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> well, listen, that uh, that is a wrap for about it for now. Uh, we thought we'd give you three crisp things that you can use and uh, any last words words or thoughts there, Laura, before we uh, say goodbye to everybody? Well, no, it's been wonderful being here. I'm really thrilled. I wish I was in Florida in person, but you know, that's okay. That'll happen soon. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's getting nice down here. We're well into spring and, uh, you know, so that's that. Hey, listen, my sincere thanks to you, Laura, for joining us and all the terrific insights. I mean, it's really great. And, um, uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in and, uh, until the next time, uh, this is buzz with the buzz on education and we'll be talking with you soon. Keep learning.